the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we have an interesting topic for you. Um, not, not one to just pick on a topic because of its salacious appeal. <laughs> Simply its salacious appeal. There's really a, um, a deeper message, as there always is, or as I'd always I'd hope to, uh, to make it for each show. A deeper message to today's show, um, beyond, beyond, um, beyond the, the obvious. Um, and that is, I'm calling the show Men, Power, and Viagra. And my guest today is Jamie Reedy, and he is the author of a new book called Hard Sell. I love the title, Jamie. Thank you. Um, and of course, welcome to the show. And of course, um, <laughs> I mean, of course, it's very uh, titillating. <laughs> the whole, there is a, a salacious quality factor to the whole thing. But um, I also, besides, um, of course, I want to hear about how you got into becoming, how you became a Viagra salesman, what it was like, uh, certainly some of the interesting stories, um, the things that go on behind closed doors, both uh, while you're selling and, and, and inside the pharmaceutical industry. But then I also want to talk to you about uh, this whole issue of why Viagra. And that is to say... Um, my uh, theory that I've had about this for a long time has to do with uh, the castration anxiety, the epidemic of castration anxiety that there is amongst American males because of women getting um, increasing power and um, therefore making men feel more powerless in the boardroom and in the bedroom and this psychological aspect causing more male sexual dysfunction, and then the need for more Viagra. And have you, is that something that you have noticed in your travels? Well, I was going to say, Carol, you are in charge, so I will answer however you want me to answer. <laughs> well, I can't, I'm not, I'm not feeding you the answer, but I mean, and, and we don't, um, we don't really have to talk about that a, a lot now, but at the beginning, but I just want to um, let you know where I'm headed with this. Probably a poor choice of words. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's something that you thought of yourself as you were going through this, but why don't you, well, why don't we start out with um, how it is that you became a Viagra salesman? I got into pharmaceutical sales when I got out of the Army. I was uh, basically a personnel officer in the Army, and Pfizer loves former military officers. Hmm. And so I started in the mid-'90s, and despite uh, poor, posting poor sales numbers, I somehow managed to finagle a promotion into the elite urology division to sell Pfizer, or to sell Viagra, rather, um, in March of 98. 
Was that something that you asked for, or they just put you there, or? I mean, obviously, you, I mean, in other words, did you, I mean, I know you wanted a better position, but did you specifically want to sell Viagra? Yeah, we didn't, I wanted to sell Viagra because I heard it was going to be a cool new drug, but nobody at Pfizer knew that Viagra was going to become the social phenomenon that it did. I very quickly realized, even before Viagra came out, that it was going to really change the world. When my dad called me, and we'd only had actually zero uh, successful sex discussions ever, and my dad called me up and, and said, hey, why don't you send the old man some samples? <laughs> With a familiar chuckle that I would hear more and more from guys in the future, you know, the I mean, not that I would ever need it, chuckle. And I just thought, Ew, my parents doing it. Like, why? I don't want to talk about this anymore. So I decided I had to do something to stop that conversation from ever happening again. And I said, Dad, this is so weird. He said, what's that? I said, Mom called me a month ago and told me to send you samples. <laughs> so we we never discussed it again. But when my father and I, when my dad brought up the topic of sex, I realized, you know what? Um, I think this is going to be a lot, uh, a lot bigger of a trend than people realize. Uh huh. Because if if uh, if he's um, overcoming his um, his hesitation to have that kind of a discussion with you, then there are going to be a lot of men doing that. Exactly. So okay. So how did it start? I mean, so, how did there you were with this job and yeah, I, I'm in this job in, in the Central Valley, California, Fresno and Modesto, and I was instantly instantly went from normal drug rep to rock star. Uh, basically, the Viagra sales force were, were the Justin Timberlakes of the drug world because we had the drug that we had the drug and most importantly had samples of the drug that everybody was talking about. It was on the cover of Time, Fortune, you know, every news show was covering Viagra. It was just exploded like no drug ever has or probably ever will. So uh, I got invited to play golf with uh, doctors at their country clubs to get them samples first. And uh, all my friends and their friends were buying me drinks all the time to hear about all the crazy stories and hopefully butter me up for samples. <laughs> huh. And, I mean, and, and of course, um, I mean, people, most people don't know how difficult it is um, for a drug rep to get a doctor to give you the time of day. Correct. Yeah, you would know. I mean, reps are calling on you constantly, and we all look alike. Well, I duck them. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, my office is not in the medical building, and one of the advantages of that, I mean, actually, the main reason why I do it is because I want something that's cozier, you know, for my patients than just a sterile kind of medical building, but also it takes a lot longer for the drug reps to find me because I generally don't want to spend a half an hour talking about something that, you know, I know about or, um, you know, hearing the same things over again or so, so yes, I mean, you must have had to come up with some interesting strategies to get doctors to give you time to begin with, with other drugs, with previous drugs. Yeah, when you sell a drug for bronchitis or for yeast infections, nobody's, you know, opening the door and saying, come on back, let me get you a cup of coffee, put your feet up. Right. But when we walked in with a little blue pill, especially with the urologists, the experts for erectile dysfunction, I mean, they've been waiting years for that drug. They had hundreds of patients on lists hmm. saying, doctor, call me up as soon as it comes in. So it was actually a little competitive between the urologists in each town 
kind of jockeying for permission or for position to be the first ones to get their hands on samples. Uh-huh. Hmm. So, um, now, of course, technically, I mean, presumably you did not give this these samples to your friends because technically you're only supposed to be giving them to doctors, right? Correct. Yeah, I was really sure that I would give one to my friend and unbeknownst to me, he'd have a family history of heart disease and he would drop dead. Right. I would go to jail and more embarrassingly, I'd have to explain to his mother why he dropped dead. <laughs> and so I just, I made a across-the-board rule that, uh, you know what, if you need some antihistamines, I could probably help you with your allergies, but nothing, uh, <laughs> no Viagra for my friends. Right, right. So, okay, so what were, so there you were, um, popular giving, did, the, did Pfizer limit the number of samples that you could give out, or were they, you know, willing to uh, give out as many as, as you needed in order to try to promote the drug? Uh, the latter. They were very aware of the uh, the explosion that Viagra had caused, and they certainly didn't want any patients to miss out on the early experience just because they were uh, limiting samples. So we, we had everything we could handle and more. And now, this was in 19, what year was it that you did this, that you started this? Uh, 19, uh, Viagra was approved at the end of March 1998. Okay. And were you, what was your um, personal situation at the time? Were you married? Did you have a girlfriend? Uh, single guy and uh, maybe dating a couple of people. Uh-huh. So um, now you, you mentioned something about your father, you know, that, that discussions about sex hadn't been too successful um, prior to this. Um, did Did... This, you know, you're being uh, this rock star now with the samples. Um, did this bring up, did it become uncomfortable for you? Did I, I mean, of course, it's great being a rock star, but, I mean, did it bring up some, uh, did you feel uncomfortable talking about sex with the people that you were supposed to be talking about it with besides your father? Did it bring up sexual issues for you? Yeah, you know, it certainly is interesting to go from uh, never mentioning the word erection at work to saying it, you know, a hundred times a day. Uh-huh. That that was different, especially with, you know, office staff, front desk people, nurses, and, uh, and it opened itself up to a lot of jokes, obviously. Everybody wanted to share the latest Viagra joke. But Pfizer did a good job early on before the drug was launched of putting us all through some civil treatment training to prepare us for the jokes, uh, and especially some possibly awkward conversations. But imagine if you're an attractive single woman selling Viagra and you've got sort of a shady physician who's just all about innuendo and making comments. That could be a really awkward work situation. Right. And there were very, practically zero female urologists that I called on, so the reverse couldn't, wasn't a possibility for me. But Pfizer put us through this training, just give us some ways to get out of those conversations and handle them a little more professionally, which was a good move because I certainly wasn't ready for the bombardment of jokes that would lead to very sexual conversations in the workplace. And there's the point that we need to end on for the first quarter of Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking today with Jamie Reedy. He is the author of a new book called Aptly Enough, Hard Sell, The Evolution of a Viagra Salesman. 
You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and somehow I don't think I have to suggest to stay tuned. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today. So contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? Then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Day, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about men, power, and Viagra with the author of Hard Cell, The Evolution of a Viagra Salesman, Jamie Reedy. Uh, before the break, we were talking about your experiences um, and uh, Pfizer having given you training to uh, confront some of the awkward situations. And you were talking about, um, you know, the fact that there aren't as many female uh, uh, urologists, so it wouldn't be that male-female thing for you like there would be for the female um, uh, sales, sales people, saleswomen. But um, I was even interested in just 
the talking about you're talking about it with this topic with men um, because it would bring up you know with the men that you were that you were supposed to be selling to um, because it would bring up uh, male rivalry issues it would bring up you know just like the uncomfortable conversations that you had with your father if these men um, were older than you or in a position of authority it might also seem awkward talking about sex with them what was some of your experiences like that early on one very shrewd urologist told me that Jamie the market for Viagra is 45 year old men and I thought he was crazy because I thought no it's for guys with medical conditions that give them strictly defined erectile dysfunction he said no you don't understand 45 year old guys don't have any problems in bed but it's not like it was when they were 18 and they're trying to recapture that now at this time I was 28 I couldn't appreciate that but I was surprised how many of my friends, after a few drinks, would mention problems that they had had with performance. And this would prompt sort of like a, a group therapy thing where I was, I was the de facto urologist. And, you know, I would joke with my friends, look, just because I talk to urologists every day doesn't make me a urologist. I don't need to hear about the problems you've had. But it, it was interesting how, how much more widespread uh, temporary bouts with ED actually is yes and did did you you know this kind of goes back to what i was saying at the beginning of the show that i think um at at any age and yes i i would agree with that that um but at any age you know the more a man is feeling um powerless or the less powerful he feels the less you know um uh, the more contact that he's had with women who have been uh, very powerful, overpowering perhaps, starting with their mother and, um, of course, you know, their girlfriends, women at work, uh, comp- competition with women at work, um, women who have, you know, who were more powerful in the man's life than he had experienced them as being perhaps five or ten or more years before. Um, did your – did you – did you come across that in these kinds of conversations with your friend? I mean, I don't know if it <laughs> you weren't not only weren't you a urologist, but you weren't a psychiatrist. But still, in this in this sharing, did did um, did people did that kind of um, uh, sort of castration anxiety come out? Uh, it did, and it's funny, you know, because I told Zoloft as well. So for these guys, I actually was a uh, psychiatrist. Uh-huh. <laughs> that qualifies me. But a female coworker of mine shared a story which I'm, speaks exactly to uh, the castration theory you're going with there. And she said that her boyfriend needed to make, needs to initiate all the sexual relations. Any time that she initiated anything, he couldn't respond. Mm-hmm. And so that's textbook what you're talking about right there. As long as yeah. he's in charge. Everything's great, but once she makes a move, it it knocks the balance off. Yes, and I think that that is a big part of it, too, um, that, you know, women have been feeling uh, increasingly that with some of these uh, new newfound freedoms or new power or, um, you know, that isn't to say that a lot of women don't feel, a lot of women feel that women still don't have equal power, but putting that aside for for now, um, a lot of my patients talk about how um, 
when just what you were saying, how um, well they they've come to expect to anticipate to enjoy having sex. In other words, it's not the way it used to be that women were supposed to um, that it was all supposed to be fun for the man, and right. now women are feeling more comfortable expressing their sexual needs. And as women are feeling more comfortable expressing their sexual needs, for a lot of men, um, this expression um, is intimidating and can have the effect of um, causing erectile dysfunction, sexual performance anxiety, all kinds of sexual problems, because now all of a sudden it's not, they're not in total control. Absolutely, and I bet another element is if a woman is uh, taking the initiative or being aggressive, trying new things, that could really rattle some control freak guys in terms of, oh, my gosh, maybe she's more experienced than I am. Maybe there have been better guys before me, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to measure up. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, been, it's, it's been a source of frustration for many women because it's, you know, it seems it's like um, – it seems like something has been taken away. It's, it's a lot of women are walking around being very bewildered at how come, you know, because a lot of men have, there are men who have asked for um, women to, to take charge more or to tell men what they want or um, to be more of a participant, not just to lie there. And yet, and yet it seems these same men seem to be um, all of a sudden thinking, well, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, um, we, we, yes, we wanted that, but, but that was when we were still feeling as though we were in control. We were saying that that was what they wanted and that, that that was what we wanted, and it was okay to be like that. When women are taking more of the initiative uh, themselves, all of a sudden men are feeling as though the power, some power has been taken away from them and are going, whoa. And I think that that woe is being expressed uh, oftentimes in psychological sexual dysfunction. I certainly heard stories from urologists about a couple coming into the office, sitting down. Urologist says, what are we here for today? And the wife says, we're here for Viagra. And the husband says, "Ah, I don't know what we're doing here. And then the wife says again, we're here for Viagra. Uh-huh. And the, the husband or the urologist would comment that this is a relationship where normally uh, the husband seemed like he was in charge and just looked so miserable that his wife had taken charge and said, no, this is what we need, this is what we're going to get. Right. And that forced urologists oftentimes to, into a role they were unaccustomed, which was that of mar- de facto marriage counselors, in addition to treating erectile dysfunction. He was balancing out the the wants and desires of two partners who haven't had sex for some time. Right. And what did most urologists do about that? I mean, did they did, did they sort of take on? I mean, did they did they refer them out to um, therapists, or did they do it all themselves? I think at first they were doing it themselves because they didn't. They didn't necessarily realize that they were in the midst of a revolution. Uh-huh. You know, one day it might be two couples, next day five couples, all coming in discussing Viagra from different angles. Whereas I just mentioned maybe the wife wants Viagra and the husband doesn't. There were also plenty of cases, probably uh, more so, where the husband wanted Viagra and the the woman said, "You know what? 
wow, we haven't had sex in 15 years. I've grown very used to my life without it. I don't need to reopen that that door. And, and so for the, the, I would probably say the first year or so of Viagra's launch, the urologists were handling this themselves, and they were complaining a ton because it was really slowing down their day to sit mm-hmm. and discuss mm-hmm. these things with with patients when they were used to more examining patients. And then after the general medical community got more comfortable with Viagra, when they stopped giving it to severely overweight men, started following the package insert guidelines, mm-hmm. the urologist said, you know what? Erectile dysfunction isn't a urology disease anymore. Let the primary care doctors, the family practice doctors handle it. And if Viagra doesn't work for those patients, then send them on to the urologist because then I can do something for them. Hmm. So that was an interesting paradigm shift in the medical community. Yeah, and I wonder whether the um, the general practitioners, how much counseling they did and how much they sent them on to therapists. I have no idea. I do know that Pfizer's CNS uh, or um, – anyway, I'm forgetting the acronym, but the reps who specialized in calling on psychiatrists, that they were amongst the initial – people selling Viagra as well uh-huh. because we knew that the psychiatrist would be um, uh, dealing with this on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, because actually one of my pet peeves is um, general practitioners or internists uh, give, dispensing psychiatric drugs, whether, I mean, and in this case, or a drug that, that's related to a psychological issue and sort of... Um, uh, <laughs> throwing in a little advice but not referring the people to a psychiatrist as they really need. I mean, this is more the case with, um, in general, it's like with antidepressants. Um, it's giving people antidepressants like they're candy and not recognizing that if you need an antidepressant, if you're depressed, you should be seeing a psychiatrist for therapy, not just taking a pill. Yeah, you could thank the drug companies for that. Lilly and Pfizer single-handedly created the market acceptance of SSRIs from psychiatrists prescribing them to general practitioners, OBGYNs. They created that market. It's obviously a multi-billion dollar industry now. Yes, I mean, by by sending drug reps to um, non-psychiatrists and teaching them how to to prescribe them or or giving them a, a crash course in how to prescribe them. Correct. Yeah, that's unfortunate. People don't know the things that go on behind the scenes, um, oftentimes, which is why it's good to um, listen to these behind-the-scenes reports like we're getting today on Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is Jamie Reedy. He is the author of Hard Cell, What Life is Like as a Viagra Salesman, and His Evolution. You're listening to Dr. Carol Lieberman, your psychiatrist host. Stay tuned as we explore this uh, important issue together. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carroll wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarroll.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarroll.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on VoiceAmerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for a crust-busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guest that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today uh, about men, power, and Viagra. Um, do feel free to call in and ask some questions. That would be really powerful of you. <laughs> also, women, not just men calling in to be powerful, but um, women, if you have some questions about this. Um, you know, let's talk about actually the downside, because you were mentioning before about obese patients. You know, I think that was one of the, um, one of the unfortunate problems with this explosion that Viagra had when it came on the market that everyone thought this was the, I mean, people who were having these problems um, thought that this was going to be the panacea, the cure, the miracle drug. And a lot of people wound up taking it who shouldn't have been taking it. Why don't you, you know, and I think people still, there are still people taking it who shouldn't be taking it or who are, um at great risk. Why don't you talk about some of the side effects and the people who really um, should not be taking it? Part of the, the most, certainly the most unfortunate 
result of this the huge splash that Viagra made was that a lot of people got their hands on Viagra that shouldn't have gotten their hands on it. And basically what it comes down to is is one of my doctors put it best. If a guy if you wouldn't ask a guy to carry a suitcase up a flight of stairs, then he shouldn't be having sex. Mm. So if somebody's whether it's obesity, heart problems, high cholesterol what prevents them from shoveling a driveway or carrying a luggage up the five stairs, they shouldn't get their hands on it. And in the initial surge, if you will, of patients into offices, some some poor candidates slipped through the cracks. Additionally, and this shouldn't be any surprise to a psychiatrist, there were guys who just pulled devious tricks to get their hands on it, who would go to a new primary care doctor and say, no, I'm not on, mm. you know, I'm not taking... Uh, I don't have nitroglycerin for my heart condition. Meanwhile, they've got it on their keychain, mm-hmm. and the doctor would say, "Oh, okay." You know, after going over their history, and they leave out that big part of the history, then they'd go home and take a Viagra and have a heart attack. Or their neighbor would get the Viagra prescription and lend, you know, or not lend, but mm-hmm. give his buddy one mm-hmm. or two, and then boom, heart attack. So, uh, just people's desire to get back into the saddle after so many years uh, just created some bad bad environments. Well, what about, and this is something that still boggles my mind, that there isn't more of a crackdown on it. How is it that people, that, there, that, that we all get flooded with spam trying to sell Viagra over the Internet? It, it's fairly incredible. Uh, I got a funny story that, that's in the book. When Viagra first came out, the highest, the most successful selling rep was based in Utah, and this prompted a lot of polygamy jokes and more jokes about Mormons and their sexual activity until someone realized in headquarters that all of the Internet orders for Viagra in the country were being filled by, pharma- by a pharmacy in Utah. Hmm. <laughs> so that's why this person's sales numbers were so high. Uh, Pfizer has, I know for a fact, has really tried to crack down on all the Internet sales simply because it's, it's unsafe. You know, if, if, uh, well, absolutely. Go, I mean, you're supposed yeah. to have a medical examination. Be, I mean, it's even in the – it's unethical um, and, and uh, presumably illegal, at least in some states, to prescribe medication for people without giving them a, an exam. Absolutely true. And somehow there are still some loopholes in different states, and doctors are able to sneak these prescriptions through. But if the drug companies had their druthers – they would shut down all these people because only bad, you know, only bad things can happen. Right. People can have these side effects like, like having a heart attack and then wind up, well, I guess it, they'd be hard-pressed to sue the company, but I, I'm sure a lot of them do. It would be really diff- I mean, these losses, you know, when the first, uh, I, I don't know the exact number, when the first 230-something men died after Viagra was launched, there were a lot of lawsuits against Pfizer and, the company never budged. They said, it's not the drug that's killing these patients. They're not taking Viagra and having a heart attack. They're taking Viagra, having sex, and having a heart attack. Yeah. And there's, there's, a big, there's a big difference there. And you know, Pfizer never lost a lawsuit. Hmm. So, so are there a lot of lawsuits pending, or were there a lot of lawsuits that they had to defend? I mean, like what range are we talking about? I don't know the exact number of suits. I just know that Pfizer is very confident 
very confident from the start that they weren't going to lose any, and they have not. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, not sure, I'm sure that there are some still pending, but I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, you know, just to – I want to make this point really clear um, to my listeners that just like before you t- would take any kind of a drug – uh, prescription drug for any kind of physical problem, Viagra, um, or any anything else, you need to have a doctor do a physical exam on you and uh, to make sure that, you know, the side effects that are known, that you're not at a risk, that you're not at risk or you're not especially vulnerable to, to the side effects that come with any drug. Um, and similarly, just like... Uh, you know, for, for psychiatric drugs, you need to have a psychiatric exam and um, need to make sure that this is the kind, that this medication, that any particular medication won't um, have, is the right medication for you on a psychological level as well as a physical level. I, sometimes, I often will have patients um, get cleared first by their uh, general practitioner or, or internist um, before I will prescribe a medication if there's some, you know, if they have some medical condition that makes me concerned that, um, I mean, that's the first question you're supposed to ask before you get out that pen, um, get out that drug rep pen. Right. <laughs> um, and, and that is, you know, do you have any allergies and what are, what medical conditions do you have? And it's amazing how many Psychiatrists, you know, somehow forget to do that, especially psychiatrists who are just doing medication, seeing their patient for 15 or 20 minutes and uh, prescribing medication and not doing therapy on them, um, which is something that I totally abhor um, but and do not participate in. But um, so it's very, and people, same thing with whether it's a psychiatrist or um, any other kind of doctor, people who renew prescriptions over the phone. I mean, that is um, an incredibly terrible practice. You don't see a patient for a month, and, and yet you, you know, you, the pharmacy calls, Mr. Jones would like to have his uh, such and such renewed, and so many doctors will just do it because it's quicker and easier, and then you, you know, Mr. Jones is happy with you. And that is really the wrong thing to do. Um, Unfortunately, I mean, that, that happens so often, and it's an unfortunate side effect of some insurance plans in mm-hmm. terms of, I'm not sure if all your listeners understand the concept or familiar with the concept of capitation, but that's when your HMO tells Dr. Smith they will pay him $40,000 to see all HMO, that HMO's patients for the year. And if the patients see him so frequently that it goes over $40,000, then he's losing money. Right. Or if he can cut down on visits, They'll make more money. And so doctors, unfortunately, take chances and do things over the phone because that doesn't count as a patient visit, and they, they can end up making more money that way. Yes, that is. Uh, that the is. recipe for disaster is what it is. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I certainly, I certainly, uh, you know, you're reminding me, actually, about this new phenomenon that I've just started seeing in a few patients, and it's a very frustrating situation that um, to try to deal with, and that is the insurance company limiting 
the number of milligrams or number of tablets of medications that patients can take. Are you familiar with that? Uh, can you be a little more specific? Well, like, for example, um, the first time I found out about this was when I prescribed Paxil um, for a patient who had Blue Cross insurance. And I prescribed it in, you know, a certain dose, like it was twice a day in, in a certain dose, and I did it for a certain reason at in, this, in these doses, and, and um, the, the pharmacy wouldn't fill it that way because they said it was either that the you weren't allowed to, well, you weren't allowed. I mean, the, drug, the uh, insurance company, Blue Cross, wasn't going to pay for more than a certain number of milligrams or you had to have those milligrams all in one pill um, once a day. It was, I mean, it was ridiculous. It was the insurance company playing doctor. You know what? This is, this is why there are so many disillusioned doctors in America, you didn't go to school for 12 years to have some pharmacist Absolutely. tell you how to practice medicine. Yes. And if, if you if you wanted to do that, you would have just gone to work at some hospital and, and been a general practitioner and just followed the rules. I mean, you're a psychiatrist because you are fascinated by the mind and dealing with emotional issues, and it's an art. And that's why you're the expert. You know, that's why you've gotten all your expertise. Yet now, some 23 year old pharmacist at Blue Cross. Is going to look at that and say, "Oh no, our regulation says X. Forget it." Yes. Like, no one gets into medicine to be told what to do. Well, absolutely, and there are reasons. You know, it wasn't just uh, right. <laughs> wasn't just a coincidence that I, I did it that way. But have you heard about that in the drug industry? Do you know? I mean, I would imagine that um, that the drug companies aren't happy about this either. No. Yeah. Uh, this is a very common thing. And it happens uh, also at the pharmacy, it just not at the Blue Cross level, but at the local pharmacy level where pharmacists will call back and say, Doctor, do you know that the recommended dose is 50 milligrams and you've given 75 milligrams? And the doctor says, yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. Well, I would disagree. Well, you know what? You didn't just see the patient, did you, Mr. Pharmacist? Right, so right. It's, uh, it's basically insurance companies are just pushing down, trying to save money everywhere they can. Yes, and the patients are are getting caught in between, and as you say, the doctors are getting caught in between, too, feeling very demoralized by all of these these economic constraints that are being imposed by people who do not have the education to do it, and impeding doctors from giving their best care. Well, stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Jamie Reedy, the author of Hard Cell. And um, at the end of the show, I'll be giving you a uh, way of getting a copy of his book, if you would like to do that, aside from the general bookstores, which where I imagine that it's already available. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll continue with Men, Power, and Viagra. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com 
or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is voiceamerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Gray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about men, power, and Viagra with Jamie Reedy, who's the author of Hard Cell, The Evolution of a Viagra Salesman. And his evolution... Um, actually landed him out of, I guess, two jobs. <laughs> Jamie, do you want to tell us about how much you sacrificed to uh, to write this tell-all book? Sure. I, when I left Pfizer, I started shortly afterwards with Eli Lilly in their oncology division selling some chemotherapy and actually got prom- finished number one in the country there as well and got promoted to sales trainer and was on the management track. When the book came out the last week of March, uh, apparently Eli Lilly needs to discover a drug for restoring sense of humor because they didn't really see it as a lighthearted, funny book, and they fired me. So I'm now unemployed, much to my parents' pride. <laughs> what, what did your parents say, by the way, about, um, about this book? They've got a whole host of emotions. My dad and I have a great relationship. We have a lot of give and take, and, and the book begins with he and I and ends with he and I. Huh. And I tell it like it is. He thinks I'm inventing stuff, but his friends <laughs> and my uncles have confirmed that I hit him on the head. Basically, my dad is a former Marine, and he's a uh, certified financial planner, and he likes things done his way, and he's got a great sense of humor and a very short temper. So throw a <laughs> throw a, tw- a mid-20s, I'm just going to wing it, and I'll figure out what I'm going to do, Dad. Uh, <laughs> pulled his son into the mix, and there was a lot of uh, good comedy. So they're so, proud of me, though. They're focused on the positive that I, you know, finally changed my dream and, and got published. Yes, well, congratulations. But <laughs> so, so do you have, um, since I'm, I'm uh, going to be awaiting my copy of the book, um, do you have, did, did you write in the book what you told us at the beginning of the show, that, um, that your father wanted samples of Viagra? 
I, that, that story is, opens the book. And, and <laughs> well, you know, are you sure you have a great relationship? Isn't that a little hostility? <laughs> Telling well, the world that your father has a has an erectile dysfunction problem? Well, what I say, and hopefully no one he knows is listening to this show, Carol. Um, what I, I, you know, he says he was joking, and that was the thing is that everybody everybody was joking all the time. <laughs> hey, help me out! Ha ha ha! I would need it. <laughs> Oh, well, at least that's a way for him to save face. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> although, although, just like those, uh, you know, I'm asking this for my friend thing doesn't generally convince people. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think most of the readers of your book are going to believe that he was only kidding. You, you know what's funny is that we were really hoping for a great spokesperson who would really make American men burst from their barca loungers and run to the urologist. Uh, we wanted Hugh Hefner. And yeah. Yeah, he was very open with the wonders of vitamin D. We didn't get Hugh Hefner. We got Bob Dole. And <laughs> I have all the respect in the world for the former senator, but yeah. you ask for Hugh Hefner and you get Bob Dole, it's kind of <laughs> like asking for Billy D. Williams and getting Urkel. Those are really going to done. Well, but are you talking about that, that Pfizer was looking for? Correct. As a spokes- well, I mean, but Pfizer can hardly complain that um, – that they're, you know, that this drug isn't selling enough. Regardless, you this is this will be a little bit of an eye opener for you, maybe, but you can never sell enough. Well, yeah. That's the that's the headquarters mentality. Yes, yes. And you became the number one sales rep. I, that kind of um, got buried a little bit, so I want to make sure people know that you became Pfizer's top sales rep in the country for Viagra. And to what do you owe your success? I mean, that was before you wrote that you uh, ditched Pfizer, or they ditched you, and, and you wrote this book. But to what? What do you think made you um, the number one sales rep? I mean, do you think it was just in general your? I mean, you, because you said at, at the next at Eli Lilly, you became the number one for chemotherapy. That's not exactly as humorous. <laughs> so there aren't as many chemotherapy jokes. <laughs> As Viagra joke, so it's not your great sense of humor, but um, I mean, you do have a good sense of humor. But that's that's uh, I don't know how much of that you use to sell chemotherapy drugs, but what do you think it was due to? Seriously. Well, I had a very interesting, and you'll enjoy this pun as well. I had a very interesting ride selling Viagra because the first year that Viagra was out, I was the third to worst salesman in America. Only two people did worse than I did, and then by three years later, I, I was overall ranked number one with all our drugs added in. And I think I owe it all to good relationships with doctors and dumb luck, without question. Because think about it, Carol. Viagra was unopposed. We didn't have Cialis. We didn't have Levitra. Viagra was the king. So no urologist let a male patient walk out the door and then five minutes later smack themselves in the forehead like they could have had a B8 and said, oh, I could have given that guy Viagra. So it's just really a matter of the company throws up a sales target. Do you make it? Do you not? And finally, finally I got it right. Okay, but I mean there were lots of other people. I I would imagine thousands, right, of hundreds, thousands of of other Viagra salesmen in the the United States at least. And um, so there had to be something. And maybe it was that it took a little while, like that year, to get comfortable with this whole issue, and then once you did, you know, there was no stopping you. I'll go with that. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Now let's tell people where they can find the book. They can find it in any Barnes & Nobles. It's in Borders, Amazon.com, as well as at my publisher's website, which is Andrews McNeil, M-C-M-E-E-L.com. And hopefully shortly enough I'll have JamieReady.com up and running. Yes, that sounds like a good idea. Well, I really appreciate your being on the show. This sounds like a fascinating book, and I'm, I'm, um, I was especially interested in the stories that you had from your experiences, which did indeed uh, confirm what I've been finding out clinically from um, patients and just people in general who I talk to. This whole issue of uh, this, this sort of new sexual revolution, where um, women gaining power, whether it be at work. Uh, or in society in general, or especially in the bedroom, asking for what they want, becoming um, increasingly sexual or becoming less ashamed of acknowledging their sexuality and, and what they want and uh, acknowledging that they want sex and um, this becoming, um, this ha- having changed, evolved over the years where it was sort of men totally in control of the bedrooms and this phenomenon causing men to feel some sort of castration anxiety and less power, less being in less control and causing more sexual dysfunction and more need for Viagra or other similar drugs. So um, I wonder if there was a conspiracy going on <laughs> between Pfizer and um, causing this sexual revolution. I don't know. Did you hear anything about that? I know that's going really far, <laughs> thinking that they could... Uh, control something like that, but um, certainly they they knew how to take advantage of it. I think you might have the nice idea for your next book. <laughs> yes. Uh, would that be a fiction or non-fiction? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, that's one of the things that um, that I try to do on this show is give people some backgrounds to things going on in the news, things going on in our world, so that we are not sort of caught unawares. Um, as far as not not being aware that there are there are agendas that people have, uh, I don't mean just drug companies, but in general um, that are causing things to happen in our world. And the only way we can feel in control of our lives, um, in general, is to open our eyes to these kinds of things. So in that sense, it falls right into opening our eyes to um, to some of these things, so that so that we can feel uh, that we're not that it's not us, that we're not going crazy with some of the connections that we um, begin to sense in terms of what is happening in our world, whether it be countries or the sexual revolution or drug companies, uh, insurance companies, whatever. There are things going on behind the scenes. So, Jamie, thank you for um, opening our eyes uh, in regard to, to the drug industry and Viagra. And I wish you... Uh, luck in your new career. You were telling me off uh, the air, your new career as a writer. See, maybe this is all meant to be. <laughs> and you can, uh, it was sort of a back door, back way in to, uh, to doing what you really love. And I hope so. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Uh, my guest today has been Jamie, Jamie Reedy, the book Hard Sell, Men, Power, and Viagra. And I'm your psychiatrist host. Dr. Carol Lieberman on VoiceAmerica.com.
Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.